everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we react to news about Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Piotr Jan at UFC 280. Big step up for him. Also, I interview Matt Schnell after one of the greatest comebacks in UFC history. And Diaz fans, the tweets, is it sarcasm or is it real? We're going back to the breaking news that just got announced which is Sugar Sean O'Malley taking on Piotr Jan at UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. That card is really getting stacked. We already have uh, TJ Dillashaw, Aljamain Sterling. It's apparently the co-main on that. We already have a main event of Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. Cannot wait for that one at 155. And right now, as I said yesterday on the show, Charles Oliveira, the betting dog, which is what? It's a two to one. It's crazy. I'm going to talk about the odds on that one when I make that pick. But uh, 280 getting really, really stacked. This is a big step up for Sugar Sean O'Malley. This is huge. Now, if you weren't paying attention to his last fight, uh, of course, a draw or no contest, whatever you want to call it, um, because of an eye poke his last time out against Pedro Munoz. That was at UFC 276 in Las Vegas. And Munoz unable to continue. He had won three in a row before that, uh, but that that one loss to Marlon Chito Vera and beat Thomas Almeida, um, Alan Pavia, Chris Moutinho, and then a no contest against Pedro Munoz. Nobody on that list, with the possible exception of Marlon Vera, is anywhere near the level of Piotr Jan. That mother effer can fight. He has really sharp stand-up. He's really well-rounded. He's used to long, difficult fights. He's a former champion. The only advantage I see right now for Sugar Sean O'Malley is one problem, I guess, however you want to say it, is that um, Piotr Jan can be a little bit of a slow starter. We saw that in his last two fights against Aljamain Sterling. Remember, before he came back and before the illegal knee, he was just starting to warm up. He was just, you know, starting to take over that fight, starting to really beat Aljamain Sterling, et cetera, et cetera. In the last fight um, against Aljo, he didn't start really going until round four. And yeah, he won the last two rounds, but I had Aljamain Sterling winning the first three, and that was it. Sugar Sean O'Malley, at his best, can be a fast starter. But as his competition has gotten stiffer, um, especially in this last one against Pedro Munoz, he had kind of a measured approach in that fight. He was taking his time. He was setting up his shots, all that stuff. That isn't a bad transition to make. That isn't a bad instinct to have when you're taking on better opposition. You're not rushing out there. You're not swinging for the fences early. You're not giving your opponent anything to hit early on in the fight. But it's the wrong strategy to have against Piotr Jan, who can be a slow starter. If you're going to beat him, you got to beat him early. you got to get him maybe in a, in a, a two-round deficit in a three-round fight, make him turn it on late, and then you can either ride it out or catch him making a big mistake. So the it's kind of a mixed bag here in that what I see is a, a, a Sugar Sean O'Malley whose best opportunity would be to fight like he did earlier on in his career when he wasn't taking on the greatest talent in the world which is, you know, start quickly and see if you can get him out of there. Um, I'm a little surprised, especially after the kind of performance he had against Pedro Munoz, that he's taking this big of a step up, that he wouldn't go back to a, 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 a Pedro Munoz-level guy 
first rather than going to uh, all the way to the former champ who is really, really sharp where Sugar Sean O'Malley is sharp, which is in the stand-up, which is in the kickboxing. If you look at the Bantamweight division right now, Aljamain Sterling is your champion. Piotr Jan is number one. TJ Dillashaw is number two. Of course, Aljo taking on TJ Dillashaw on that same card, UFC 280. After that, um, Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Chito Vera, Marab Dvalishvili, Rob Font, Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz at number nine, Sonia Dong at number 10, Ricky Simone at number 11, Frankie Edgar at number 12. Then we get to number 13, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Kelly, you just gave me the wide eye. You didn't realize he was that low on the rankings? No, it's rankings don't matter. But they don't matter why, at all. That's why it's funny. They literally don't matter at all. Yeah, they mean absolutely nothing. But the idea that of all those potential fights between 13 and memories, the number one contender, this is the one he, he chose? Now, I imagine I, he had some, you know, he could have said no, obviously. He's fighting Piotr Jan. That's a big step. I, I just feel like they were probably fishing for an opponent for Piotr Jan as the top, the top of the division starts to get matched up and some people yes. are out. I guess Sean O'Malley's name after what happened at 276 floated up. I could obviously see why Piotr Jan would want it. I don't see why Sean O'Malley wants it. I'd like to see Sean O'Malley, if he's going to, you know, look up in the rankings, take on a Rob Font. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I don't know what Rob Font, you know, what his timeline looks like after his last fight. It's crazy, isn't it? That he's, mm-hmm. he's hopping this far up. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I, I, this is... It's that fine line between your ducking guy, because that's a criticism of Sean O'Malley earning his career, is that he had all this hype, making all this money, talking about himself incessantly, and not fighting great guys outside of Marlon Vera who beat him. This is the first, like, I want to be champion fight of Sugar Sean O'Malley's career. And at the time he fought Marlon Vera, he wasn't ranked like he is now. And when we look at it, um, all the way through, and, and and the way I'm looking at it is, this is one of those. If I win, I get a title shot. If I win, I'm up amongst the elite. If I have a great fight, even if I lose, um, it probably helps him out in terms of uh, where he's ranked. This is just almost an overcompensation of you haven't fought any ranked guys. You haven't. You only fought bombs that are. And you're gonna fight the number one contender, and you're ranked thirteenth. I mean, props if he wins, man. I, my respect for this guy, should he beat Piotr Jan, will go right through the roof. I don't disrespect Sugar Sean O'Malley. I think he's a very, very good fighter. Um, I think it, it is disproportionate in terms of the amount of attention, the amount of money he gets as compared to the guy he's fought, guys he's fought, but that's not his fault. It's not his fault he's making a ton of money and like, okay, great, wonderful, fabulous. It's the fans' fault, not his fault. Um... But that idea of God taking on Piotr Jan, even saying yes to this fight, um, how does the, what does this do for the respect level of Sugar Sean O'Malley? I think it goes way up, even saying yes to this fight. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I think it has to go through the roof. I mean, Sean's been open. Like, I'm not going to fight the better guys yeah. until I get paid better money. So that's where my thought is. I wonder if UFC is just throwing the bag at him to get in there with Piotr Jan because I can't see him saying you know, I'm not fighting the higher ranked better guys until I get more money. And then, you know, in just a couple months time, signing on to fight arguably the best band in the division on any given day. You know what I mean? Doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense unless they're giving him a 
shitload of money, honestly. Yes. Yeah. And that does make sense. And I just, if I had seen, and and also the the contradiction here that's kind of getting to me is, in the Pedro Munoz fight, I didn't see a world beater. You know, that was his first, like, top 10 ranked guy. That was kind of a step up for him. Although he had lost, what is it, you know, three out of his last four or four. Pedro Munoz was not on a winning streak at this point. It had been two great guys, right? Pedro Munoz had lost to Dominic Cruz, for example. Um, he had lost to Jose Aldo. He had lost to Frankie Edgar. He had lost to Aldo Sterling. That's still four out of his last five. You know, even though you're losing to top-level talent, you're still losing. Still losing. And so Sugar Sean O'Malley didn't come out and look great against Pedro Munoz. He didn't. He didn't come out and, and look absolutely fantastic and da 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 uh, two judges, Kelly, to your point, gave Pedro Munoz round one. I think that's very, very fair. I thought it was a very close round one. Um, he didn't come out and look great. And if he had, if we had seen a real step up, Sugar Sean O'Malley, I'll go, okay, maybe he is ready. I didn't see that against Pedro Munoz. He could have won the fight. I'm not saying he wouldn't have won eventually. You know, he was looking okay in round two. It wasn't a bad round one, even though he lost on two out of three judges' scorecards. Um, I didn't see a guy like, boy, this guy's next level ready. I didn't see it. This was his opportunity. The Pedro Munoz fight was a top 10 guy who is, you know, was on a losing streak, okay? That was the perfect setup, perfect setup for Sugar Sean O'Malley to really look impressive and get something done, and he didn't look very impressive. He didn't. And not only was it a no contest, even before the no contest, he didn't look great. I don't give him a lot of faith right now against Piotr Jan. He might surprise me. He's a talented kid. He's rangy. His style is hard to get up to handle on. Um, Piotr Jan is coming off a loss. It was a close loss, but, you know, maybe that has some lingering psychological effect. I don't know, but I would call him a big dog right now against Piotr Jan. We'll have to see what the, the, um, the odds makers think in a bit, but step up to him. My respect really goes through the roof with a win. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Matt, thank you so much for joining us, my man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, so so let's let's back things up just a wee bit. Heading into this fight, you had a four-fight win streak in the UFC, and then a loss to Alessandro Pantoja, win over Tyson Nam. The Hojiro Bontarin fight, of course, he pisses hot. That becomes a no contest. You have a setback against Brandon Royval. That was the history leading into the Madarji fight. Was there pressure on you? Was this kind of a must-win thing? Did you have more on your shoulders than you had in previous fights? It felt like a must-win to me just because it had felt so long since I – it had been so long, or it at least felt like a long time since I had gotten a W in there. So I was definitely uh, – yeah, I felt like my back was against the wall somewhat, happy to come out the victor. So what does that do to you? Because, you know, one of the, 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 you know, a great quote is, you know, uh, pressure makes some people focus, it makes other people fold. How, how, what, what kind of effect did it have on you physically or tactically in that fight, that pressure you're talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I certainly wasn't thinking about it in the fight. I was just uh, trying to get through each moment. But, 
yeah, I mean, if if history is an indicator of things to come, typically when I get my when I when I get backed up against a wall, it feels like I I respond. So I started at one point I was zero two in the UFC, and I felt similarly like I just had to come out and get a win. And I was able to do it then, and yeah, um, yeah, felt like I really needed this one, so made it happen. So let's go back um, into the, the the actual fight, man. When you got rocked in round two, it almost like stiffened you up. Boom. I, you know, I've been hit with those. It's almost like an electric shock. Goes through your whole, and you go, uh, And you kept swinging back to the point where Madarji did the right thing, which is so, so ironic about the comeback is he didn't really like go after you and go crazy and wild because you hit him a couple times and it backed him off. And you could hear his corner saying like, hey, back off, back off, don't go nuts. And he didn't. He took his time and he was patient, but you threw back just enough that he couldn't go crazy and, and wild and try to finish you. What were you thinking in those moments? Were you thinking at all after you got rocked? Yeah, I think it's fair to say I was somewhat on autopilot, but it's just a testament to the way I train, the, the people I've put in the room around me, the guys who yeah. prepare me for fights because, uh, you know, I know what to do. I know what to do, even even in uh, dire uh, positions like I can I can pull it out. And it's good to come out and prove that, you know, a lot of people question a lot of things about me, my heart and my uh, mental fortitude and things like that. And that always hurt me because uh, early on, that was something that I felt like very much defined me. And I got away from it. You know, I'm, I'm a slick finisher and I can I can operate smoothly out there. But uh, it's good to come out and show people, you know, what I'm made of a little bit. Uh, speaking, of course, to Matt Snell, UFC Long Island had an, incre- an incredible comeback against Suma Darji. One of the things that I see all the time, I see it on coffee mugs, I see it in, in posters in gyms every time I go into one almost, you can't teach heart. There's, there's shirts in it, can't teach heart, can't teach heart. I always kind of disagree with that in, in the sense of, um, you know, I don't know if you're a Mike Tyson fan, but, you know, he talks about how Custom Model used to talk to him. And say, you're the champion. You're the best in the world. Nobody can beat you. And he goes, he kept building me up. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I am good. I am great. And as you said, the people around you pushing you at the right time or encouraging you at the right time, I don't know if it makes you have heart or it reveals your heart. But when you talk about the people around you built you up so you were ready for those moments, did they essentially teach you heart? Is that something you can teach or at least build in the gym, man? I, I do think that it's, uh, it's, condi- you know, it's somewhat conditioned into you. Uh, I feel like at early on in a camp, you poke me in the body and it hurts. I might take a knee and then towards the end, I'll die before I show any sign of, uh, you know, try to even, even if they'll hurt, you know, you get hurt bad. So there is some, some, uh, some conditioning to it. Um, I certainly don't need somebody telling me I'm the greatest and the best to build me up (laughs) Weird to me sometimes, but you know, uh, my guys encourage me. Uh, we, we have a good time, you know, we're, we're all as, as you fight more and guys are in your corner more, you just become more familiar with each other. And it seems like uh fight week is moving smoothly and everything's going well. So let's talk about that. You, you said people questioned your heart a lot and it, it bothered you, questioned your motivation. Does that extend a little bit to the flyweight division where people who don't like the flyweight division or overlook the flyweight division say that because they feel that it's, ah, they don't really have the kind of wars that you get at 55 and 70. A lot of technique. They're quick. They're, they're kind of flippy dippy. They don't really like get into the kind of wars that guys get in, in, in higher weight classes. Fights like yours show that that criticism is unfair. 
does that mean something to you that that someone who may, may not be into the flyweight division could see that fight and go, damn, those those little guys can put it on too, man. How does that make you feel? Feels good. I feel like I've always been one of those guys, though. You know, whatever people have said about the flyweight division, I said it Saturday night too. You say what you want about the division, can't say it about me. Go back and look at all my fights in the UFC and tell me a single one of them wasn't fun at some point. Uh, I think Bontran was a slow one. I'm still a little bitter about that one. But, you know, sometimes it takes two to tango. And uh, if a guy doesn't want to fight and, you know, it's not, it's not always been my way to move forward on somebody and make them fight me. And uh, that's kind of what we did in this one. We conditioned that into us because we knew we didn't want to get caught at the end of what this guy was throwing. As you can see, this kid could crack. And when, uh, when, he, would, when he would really express it and turn it over properly, and they were rattling my teeth, so um, that that was just kind of the game plan we put into this one. But yeah, I'm fun every time. Come on, Jimmy, you watch me fight before? <laughs> I do. I watch right every time, bro. Come on, come on, not me. I think you're fun every time, bro. Every time you're fun. I like the 125 because I, you know, I'm I'm not a casual fan, man. I'm an educated fan. I've been in this business for you know over 20 years. I like a lot of variety and versatility and different techniques, and I feel like 35 and 25 provide that every time. You know, it isn't just a slugfest. It's, man, they can go right into a leg lock, and it's hard to hold position because everybody's so quick. So I appreciate the multitude of techniques you see at 125 and 135. Is that something you, when you're training um, as a fighter, is that something you keep in mind that, you know, Light heavyweight, and you know, certainly heavyweight, where like if you're a hard puncher, you can go a lot further than most people. You know, Derek Lewis, you put a 125 pound body, he doesn't go anywhere, he just doesn't have the skill set necessarily. Is it one of those things you think about in training? 125, it can go anywhere, you can find yourself in any position. Does that push you in training, man? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of the older guys of this generation that that started doing it all at the same time. The first gym I walked into was a mixed martial arts gym and it was guys yeah. doing jujitsu and, and my, my coach had a boxing background too. So those were the things that I kind of gravitated towards because that's what I had at my disposal. But uh, yeah, over my entire career, I've tried to, I've tried to round out my game, be competent. Obviously we have weaknesses and things that we're constantly working. You know, I've got to wrestle three, four times a week the rest of my career to, to even be able to hope to wrestle with some of these guys. So th those are things that we have to constantly be putting time and effort into. Uh, whereas guys with wrestling backgrounds are kind of working on other things, but uh, yeah, it's important to be well-rounded, especially the lower you go in weight classes. And um, it's, it's been, it's been fun. I've always been a real scrambly guy and, and good at that, though. That's That's been my territory. So I think that's why I've had success as a flyweight. Speaking, of course, to Matt Schnell, UFC flyweight. Amazing fight. UFC Long Island fight of the night. One of the best comebacks of the year so far. Um, so widening up the conversation, talking about the, the, the flyweight division. Of course, we have a... It looks like an interim title fight, Kai Car France versus Brandon Moreno. Davison Figueroa out for a little bit with injury. He's talked about moving up to, to 135. What are your thoughts on being a division where the top is kind of like in flux? Like we don't know exactly what's happening. Interim title fight, will Davison Figueroa move up and the winner of that will become the real champion? Is that one of those things that's exciting to be in a division like that? Or do you like not know exactly who's at the top? Is that good for you or bad for you, man? I'm curious. I think it's, I think it's good for the division to uh... – continue to kind of have things flux and fl fluctuate and do its own thing. It's been entertaining. 
Ty Car France has been on a dang tear. I think he deserves a title shot. Yeah. Brandon Moreno, I could argue that he's still the champion. You know, I felt like he won the last fight still. If Figgy wants to move up, then so be it. I, you know, whatever. We'll 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 sort it out. I think it puts me in an interesting uh, position because I know that I've still got a little work to do. So let it be all jumbled up right now. There's no, you know, sometimes paths open up clearly for guys like me when it, when it's all bunched up and there's a log jam and then, you know, one or two more big wins for me. And, and it's uh, people are like Schnell's next for the title. So it's all good from where I'm sitting. And not only that, but I'm tuned in. And, and uh, for people who say that this division isn't entertaining, I would say you're a dang casual and you're just not paying attention because it's, Filthy cash. Yeah, Mick Maynard's <laughs> also doing a good job of filling out the division. And I think yeah. as long as we continue to uh, – you, there can't be 26 guys in the division. There's got to be 30 to 40 uh, flyweights. That way we can accumulate fan bases and fight fights and get on winning streaks. If not, uh, the next guy we're fighting is the best in the world. It's hard to really get going. So, uh, though I'm ready for those fights, I don't think everybody is. Uh, I'm 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 a little curious about that when you talk about finishing the fight and how you've been uh, a great finisher your whole career and getting back to that. When you had that triangle sunk in, man, you're rocked, you're hurt. Did you know how much time was left in the round? Did you have any idea how much time you had left? You had about thirty seconds. Did you have any idea what the time was? Was that in your head? No, I didn't know what time it was, but I I I could have fought a third. You know, I know people. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, and I was tired, but he was tired too, son. And I was gonna pop off that. I was gonna pop off that stool and come and get in his face and see see what it was worth. So, uh, kid's really tough, excellent fighter. I know he's coming off a long layoff. That was kind of one of the things we wanted to come in uh, well conditioned. Shout out to my strength and conditioning coach. He, he lives right around the corner from me, and I just get uh, cooked in his garage every other day. So, uh, yeah, we're we're putting effort into this stuff. This this is an accumulation. It wasn't an accident. Uh, we put in the work. Though it was a miraculous comeback. Let's be honest, Jimmy. If the fight goes my way and, and I never get shook, it's probably just a three-round decision of me taking him down and, and riding from top position. Is that one of those things you think about? Because I, I know I do, where, you know, it's it's like Kamsat Shumayev has kind of been blowing everybody away at 170 pounds, even at 185. And so everybody goes, oh, we don't know if he has heart. We don't know if he has gas. We don't. It's like you can't win for winning too quickly, right? And you said people question my heart until I got rocked, come back, win with the triangle. Now suddenly I have heart. I've always had heart. It's just, you know, when you win quickly or you control the fight the entire time, nobody knows that. Is it difficult to be like, well, you know, I want people to know I have all these skills, but you can't win a different way every time, right? You do what you do, you know, but you got to sell yourself as a fighter and show everybody you have all these skills. What's that like, man? Yeah, it's been a journey, you know. I've been a professional now for 10 years, and each fight is – a story yet to be told. You think it's going to go one way and oftentimes it goes another. So uh, it, it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, what would I be doing if not martial arts? How, how would I, you know, be able to express myself freely in the world? I don't know. I'm, I'm very thankful, very blessed to be in the position I'm in. Happy that things went well on Saturday night. Hopeful that Sue recovers quickly. Uh, I think he's a really tough kid. I think he's really entertaining, and I'll be tuned into the rest of his career, probably dipping and ducking him for the rest of mine. So <laughs> that is that is completely understandable. I'm glad you said that. So let's let's talk about that for one sec before I let you go. Your future, you please tell me you took some time off after that fight. Please tell me there was at least a few days of resting and taking out. Come on. You didn't go in. You weren't one of those in the gym the next day after a fight like that. You took some time off, didn't you? 
Heck no. I was on the first <sighs> flight back. Uh, I got to got to see my baby girl about 1030 a.m. on Sunday morning. So that was nice to walk through the door and get to get to hang out with her all day. Though as soon as I get home, she's she's vomiting. And she's sick. And that, that was, you know, Nana had just walked out of the door when all that took place. So it was daddy time. But yeah, no, it, uh, I'm, I'm taking some time off. My wife's already over it, though. She's like, you got to do something today, bro. So uh, <laughs> I, I've got to. You know, I'm a homeowner. I've got a honeydew list, a country mile long that I've got to get to, to work on. But, uh, yeah, we're going to take some time. Uh, I'll probably get back to moving around Friday, uh, you know, walk in the gym, take my congratulations from everybody, maybe do some shadow boxing, break the sweat. But uh, we're, we're going to go a good 45 days without probably taking punches to the face. Uh, I've got a, an appointment tomorrow to get my face x-rayed. Uh, there's probably some – broken stuff in there so we might end up having to have yeah it looks uh, messed up watching on zoom like it's hideous yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know actually i gave myself this black eye i hate that i've been telling this story but uh after the fight if you go back and look like my fa- i looked like i had a hard scar yeah. but he did crunch up my nose and then when i got in the shower that night i went to clear the nostrils blew your I nose blew my eye oh, yeah yep. I remember that well, man. So what do you feel like is next for you, man? Is there somebody on your radar? Is there a particular person? Is there a particular uh, venue, a particular event? What, what are you thinking about with your future right now after an amazing fight like that, man? I think there are enough fights uh, unmatched. Uh, guys guys ranked ahead of me to, to get me in there with somebody who's probably ranked ahead of me. I called for Nicolau. I thought that was a, a fair call yep. out. He's a, not matched up right now. He's an excellent fighter. Uh I've been telling people no disrespect. I like the guy. I think he's a great part of the division. That's who I want to fight. I want to be a relevant part of this division. He's coming off a big win versus uh, David Dvorak, who's a guy that I looked at. And I was like, this freaking guy is scary. And then uh, Nikolai was able to beat him and beat him convincingly. So I think that's the next fight. Uh, we'll see. We'll see who sticks between the two of us and. and- Hey, well, I appreciate you, man. I know you're going through a lot right now, taking time to uh, take time out of your day to, to, to tell us all about it. Matt Schnell, great fight, UFC Long Island, man. I look forward to your next one, bud. Appreciate you, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. This got brought up yesterday when it got announced that, that Nate Diaz was going to fight Kamzat Shemaev. That a lot of these tweets, like, we don't know how seriously to take them because Diaz fans. By the way, has anybody met someone who's a fan of one Diaz and not the other? Never. So we, we lump them together. I've never heard, oh, I love Nick. I can't stand Nate. I've never heard of that ever. Anybody? Am I the only one? Like, you either love the Diaz is or you don't. Yeah. So the Diaz is. Diaz fans are out of their minds. They're just generally kind of irrational. Not that they're uneducated fans or anything like that, but when it comes to the Diaz brothers, a hardcore Diaz fan just doesn't think rationally about things. So a lot of the tweets we were seeing after this Kamzat Shemaya fight got announced, we were wondering like how seriously to take it. So we're going to play a fun game. Kelly Kell, you explain what the game is, and then you will read out the tweets. So what is the game? What are we trying to figure out here? 
Okay, so I compiled a list of tweets in reaction to the Nate Diaz comes out Chimaya fight announcement. And what we're going to decide is if the person's being genuine and they're a Nate Diaz fan and they believe what they're saying or if the tweet is sarcasm due to the odds of the fight and pretty much the odds being stacked against Nate in every way, shape, and form. Gotcha. So are they real Diaz uh, fans who are delusional or are they just being sarcastic? Right. Okay. Ready? Whenever you say Kelly Kel. KOB and I will be the judges here. Go ahead. Okay. First tweet says, guys, don't take Nate easy. He has experience, which Kamzat lacks. Don't overdo Kamzat. He deserves some respect, but don't try to make him look like he's not a human being. Remember, Nate can take hits. Good luck to them both. Too reasonable. That's 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 for sure. That's not, that that that's just a Diaz fan. He's not but making genuine. fun. That's that's genuine. That's a genuine tweet. They're like, okay, you know, because it's not irrational. Kobe, <laughs> same thought process. I'm like, that seems too nice. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, it just seems so, too nice. I think that's a real tweet. I don't think that's sarcasm. Yeah, it's a real a- Diaz fan, but he's not. This person is not a hardcore Diaz fan because he's being reasonable. Diaz fan. So it's kind of yeah, yeah. It's a hardcore. Okay. Diaz fan. Genuine yeah. Diaz fan. All right. Genuine Diaz fan, but not hardcore because they're being rational. Right. So I'm kind of caught. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. Next. Next tweet. A lot of people sleeping on Nate Diaz here. Dude's chin is granite. He has elite cardio. He's a BJJ black belt and he can strike. Kamzat is a purple belt. I think it's going to go into deep water. We have to remember Nate almost put away Leon Edwards late. Imi- all right, okay, all right. Anybody we who have goes, to remember oh. it. Listen, we have to remember it. Had Kelly, just another minute. they never let us forget it ever. That in a fight where he was getting owned, he rocked a guy in the 24th minute of a 25-minute fight. Okay? This is a Diaz fan who is hardcore, not being sarcastic. They really believe every word they are saying. KOB? Uber DS fan, probably with a 209 tattoo somewhere on him. 209? That's, that's my guess. Uh, so, so, and, and by the way, can you tell us if this person has 209 or Diaz somewhere in their Twitter handle for the last one? No. No 209, no Diaz no in the Diaz? Twitter okay. handle. No War Diaz? Okay, cool. Gotcha. No, no Diaz Twitter's. Army. Diaz Army. Diaz <laughs> Army, War Diaz, okay. <laughs> no, none of it. All right, next one. All right, next one says... This is a good fight. Leon couldn't finish the job. Let it go to the judges, and he got rocked in the fifth. Let's see what happens. To be honest, I think Diaz deserves this fight. If he wins, he may find himself in contention for a title. If he loses, he learns he's not at that level. This strikes me as the one that might be sarcastic because this is the first one I'm like, Diaz gets a title shot. Really beating Kamzat, and I'm not saying you know, sure if he beats Kamzat, I, I, what at 170, Kamar Usman puts him in a hospital. There is no scenario in which Nate Diaz deserves a top shot, even if he beats Kamzat. If he beats him, that would be insane. Just extra insane. context: this, this person's Twitter bio does read "Follow if you seek the forbidden knowledge." Thank you. This person's a lunatic. Like- <laughs> this person's a lunatic, but I do believe it's a little like tongue-in-cheek sarcastic. What do you think? Okay. I don't know. It started off irrational and then got rational and then ended irrational. <laughs> like Right, yeah. It kind of <laughs> went all over the place. Ooh, I don't know. See, 
That sounds like a Nate Diaz. That, that, that Twitter bio just sounds like a Nate Diaz fan to me. Like, 100%. Because you're wacko, and you're out there, and you smoke so much weed, it's destroyed your brain. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a Come Nate on. Diaz fan. All right. Okay, but it's the first one, to me, sounds kind of, like, sarcastic-y. I don't know. Next one. Okay. This one, I think, has an obvious answer, but it was funny. It says, I'm shaking right now. My two-year-old son just said his first words. He said, Daddy, is it true that Nate Diaz is choking out Kamzat Chemayev on September 7th? And I said, yes, son. I couldn't lie to him. It was one of the realest moments of my life. Love it. Absolutely love that. That is sarcastic, but I do believe they're a Diaz fan. So this is kind of, I do believe it's a Diaz fan, but they are being sarcastic and well played, sir. Well played. Well played. KOB? Sarcastic, obviously. I don't know. I, yes. I, I don't necessarily know that they're a DS fan. I think that maybe they just thought it was a funny tweet to put out. All right, on to the next one. Next. This has this has two pictures of Nate and Connor fighting attached to it, and it says, okay. "My guy about Nate already derailed one hype train. He's about to do it again." It's that's irrational. a Nate fan. That's, that's a, a Nate, Nate fan. Hundred thousand percent. There, that that person's a neighbor. Did it to Connor. Did it to Connor. Connor, who is, you could argue, a puffed up 145 pounder fighting at 155, or in that case at 170. Uh, to relate that or somehow compare that to Kamzat Shemaev, who is a decent sized middleweight who lines up tactically in a way that is completely different from. Conor McGregor, only a, a Diaz fan could compare those two things and think that they are in any way comparable because they're not. KOB, am I it's wrong a, or what? It's a 100% Diaz fan. Yo, you're not yes. wrong because it has that amazing idea of like almost like a Diaz brother thought of like, yo, he derailed one hype train. It's like, did he? Did he really derail him? Really? Did you? The guy came, did you really? The guy, you kind of stalled him for a second, but then the train got right back on the tracks when he won the rematch and then went on to win two titles and then went on to fight Floyd Mayweather. It's like, did you really derail the hype train at all? No, you didn't. So that is, that is Diaz fan delusion for sure. It's an absolute Diaz fan. Yes. All right. Definitely Next Diaz one. Fan. Prediction for Kamzat versus Nate Diaz fight. Kamzat will try to box Diaz the whole fight and will take a lot of damage. Also could be a doctor stoppage. Diaz would try to grapple and maul Kamzat. Diaz will win via decision or doctor stoppage. You can barely say it without laughing. You can barely hashtag say this UFC without laughing. Hashtag UFC 279. Hashtag Nate Diaz. Hashtag Kamzat Jemayev. This one is so bad, I want to say it's sarcastic, but I think it's a Nate fan. But it seems I think so serious. Like, it's the same thing, Jimmy. <laughs> What? It's the same thing. I was thinking, like, it's so yeah. bad it must be real. Like, I, I, like, yeah, I wanted to say so sarcasm bad, it's at first. It's got to be genuine. I wanted to say, say sarcasm. Say it again. Read, read that again. That is absurd. Every word of that is absurd. Go ahead. Prediction for Kamzat versus Nate Diaz fight. Kamzat would try to box Diaz the whole fight and will take a lot of damage. Also, could be a doctor stoppage. Diaz would try to grapple and maul Kamzat. Diaz will win via decision or doctor stoppage. You, it's, it, it, 
Diaz can't out-wrestle anyone at no, 155. We'll try to maul Kamzat. He's we'll like twice his size. Twi- Dude, do you remember Gilbert Burns and, and, and Shemayev squaring off and you went, holy Jesus, they're the same weight class? Burns is a hell of a lot bigger than, than Nate. It's, it's just nuts. But I do believe this is a Diaz fan. This you know is in- irrationally stupid, and I believe it's a Diaz fan. I really do. On, on, on the second reading, I'm going to go back to sarcasm. It's just too ridiculous. It's that mauling line of like, I, I'm trying to think, Jimmy. I'm sure it may have happened. I can't think of Nate ever actually going forward takedown. Like, I don't think he's done it. He ends up on the he, ground sometimes, but like, I don't think he's initiated it. He clinched a lot with Connor, but like, not really in takedown kind of clinching. Yeah. Yeah. It's not his thing, and he cannot out wrestle in any way. Kamzat Chimaev. it's just not going to happen. Um, all right, so so Kelly, can you look at this person's profile and just see if we can see if they have all these other pro Diaz tweets, and we can get some kind of context? Because I yeah. think it's a psycho Diaz fan. F the U.S. It's completely irrational, but I think it's a psycho. Diaz okay, fan. let's see. At when Nate fights, we all fight. Thirty-three. Right? Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Right. Um, I'm not seeing anything else about Nate. He this like person rarely tweets. Okay, all right. I'm going sarcasm. I'm going sarcasm then. All right, I think it's a genuinely psychotic Diaz fan who really believes the insanity that they're spouting. I really do. It's crazy, but it's true. Next. All right. Up next, it says, "If it goes to the ground, I'm not sure how you see it going to Kamzat." Diaz has one of the best BJJ games in the UFC. Nate fan. Yeah, Nate fan. But like I like here's the deal is like um Kamzat, how could how could he win on the ground? By beating the piss out of Nate, just like Jorge Masvidal did. Jorge Masvidal beat the crap out of Nate on the ground. Beat the shit out of him. People act like that fight was all on the feet. It wasn't. He was ground and pounding the shit out of him. Benson Henderson beat him on the ground. Just took him down and 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 ground and pound and ground and pound and beat him up. So the people act like Nate has never been beaten up on the ground. He's been beaten up on the ground a lot. He hasn't usually, been out jujitsu'd, but he's been been ground and pound. There's a lot of it. It's usually how he loses. A lot of times getting out grappled. So getting out grappled is how we generally do, once again. Um, you know, Rory McDonald just took him down at will, and Nate even never even came close. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos took him down and beat him up. That's how Nate loses. I don't get why people. I just, I, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Jimmy, you know what's funny? I think almost to make it like harder for us, I almost feel like unless it's actually in the tweet itself, we should just have Kelly start out every tweet with "Bro, hear me out," and then read the tweet. Bro, oh yes. <laughs> bro, hear me out, bro. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, give us one more, Kelly. Kelly, if there is one more. All right. It says, if Kamzat wrestles, he wins. Stand up, I would say it's 60-40 Nate Diaz. I don't know why you're already saying RIP Nate. Oh, all right. That That's wrong. But, okay, Kamzat Shemayev hits, I'm not joking, twice as hard as Nate Diaz. Nate can box. Nate is not a very hard puncher. He generally doesn't knock guys out. He generally overwhelms them when he does knock them out. He's not much of a one-shot knockout guy. Gerald Milshart is a big middleweight, and Kamzat knocked him out with one punch, the first punch he threw. So 60-40 is unreasonable. It's not true, but I think a Nate fan would say that, that they believe Nate can outbox 
I'm not saying you can't maybe outland him, but you got to outland him two to one, three to one. The guy's a big ass welterweight. KOB, you feel me in that one? Yeah, People act like fan. Nate hits just as hard as Kamzat Shemaev, and that if he outlands him, he can beat him. That's not accurate at all. Oh, the belief of Diaz fans. That's a Nate fan for sure. Delusion. Just say that was actually that, you know I'll, I'll give that guy credit. That was rational Diaz fandom, like it's sixty forty, like on the feet. Like he's trying to like make it seem real, but like eh, he's probably gonna get smashed. Likely. I will uh, say that as this fight gets closer, we should do another edition of this game to see if the Diaz <laughs> fans have kind of switched their tone or if we're still the same place. Nope, we're going to be in the same place. We'll do it again, but I'm going to guarantee you we will be in exactly the same place because that's how Diaz fans are. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.